Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we are... Back. I'm really fucking excited about this one because the commander is commanding shit this week. I got some, I got a heavy one to bring to the table, and this is gonna be interesting. This is always this is always fun to me when there's when there's a heavy schism and dichotomy. And I already know it. I I, I already know it's there, but uh don't know exactly what everyone has to say. And honestly, the, the, the two gentlemen that I do this show with are intelligent and willing to listen. It is entirely possible that viewpoints may shift one way or the other by the end of this. I don't expect to convince anybody this is a good movie on any fucking level. But I do think that there is some appreciation to be had from this absolute abortion of a movie called Blood Sucking Freaks from 1976. Thank you to, uh, right off the bat, we have to say thank you to Lloyd Kaufman of Trauma Films uh, for putting this fucking hunk of shit out. Um, and truth be told, we have to say we got to shoot some respect to Joel M. Reed. I expect yes. nobody, including my people other than Terry, because Terry's a, a trauma lunatic. Yeah, I got to say, man, you're not going to have to convince me of much. This is a wonderful film, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, it is the schism lie. <laughs> I was I think everyone's probably figured it out by now. I was not talking about I was not talking about uh the the Terry over there. I, I yeah, was you're the fulcrum at this point, man, because you know I love this movie. Yeah, it rules. And what we're talking about, um, okay, so real quick, hold on. Joel M. Reed wrote and directed this movie along with a number of porno movies in the 70s and a bunch of other really trashy, bad B or C level, uh, like zombie and horror movies. He did Bloodbath. That movie fucking ruled. Um, And as far as trash cinema horror goes, Joel Joel M. Reed may be one of the most important. Um, And this movie is no exception. This is one of those things, Baron, I'm going to start off before I get into this movie. This is one of those things that is like the fucking Beatles. And I'll tell you why. It's not good, but everybody you like is fucking influenced by this movie. Like a lot, a lot. So anyway, let's get into this motherfucker. Uh, Oh, by the way, Joel M. Reed just died April of last year of COVID. So, oh. oh shit! Put your fucking masks on, you yeah. horrible cunts! Absolutely, cosign hundred percent. Enough is enough. Must stay and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Thank you. That was well put. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck you, Mustang. <laughs> so, okay. Originally titled "The Incredible Torture Show," 
Um, and it was actually titled that in a, in a couple of countries, but we won't get into that. Just about the entire world premiere of this movie in 1976 was Blood Sucking Freaks. Um, so I've got a ton of little things to say about it. Let me get the synopsis out of the way. Um, essentially, what we have here is, in a nutshell, I don't like to go in super deep on the synopsis and super detailed on it. And there's not much to go through here anyway. Basically, you have Seamus O'Brien who plays uh, Sardu. Um, and he's got this midget fellow that runs around with him named Ralphus. Now, yeah. most people like Ralphus. Ralphus makes me angry. Every second of this movie, I hate. He's the worst actor of all earth. He's annoying as shit. His face, his face is punchable, and I've never said that about a midget. Fuck Ralphus. <laughs> Fuck Luis the Jesus, the fucking dickhead that played him. Fuck him. I don't like him. I don't like Ralphus. Seamus O'Brien, however, was a fucking Shakespearean-trained actor. That guy can actually act. He's just in a bad movie with a bad director and a bad script, bad production, bad, no budget, and a bunch of other shitty fucking actors around him. So, now, Sardu has essentially this is very influenced by and they made a campy goofy version of the grand guignol the, the which we talked about in one of our earlier episodes the french theater uh, of the macabre that's what this man's doing and the concept is really cool here because i mean i get it it's not a good movie i'm not trying to tell anyone this is a good movie it's an important movie but it's not fucking good so What's going on here is your man, uh, Sardu, and his tiny little Puerto Rican friend are doing, they're doing a theater uh, uh, production that is torture. But everyone in the audience believes it to be sleight of hand and special effects and practical effects and magic. And the sick enjoyment they get out of this is the fact that they're actually killing these people on stage in front of them, and they're all just blown away by how incredibly real it looks, but it is fucking real. Um, in addition to that, they are running a white slavery ring. This guy mm -hmm. is essentially uh, uh, <laughs> does white slavery and uh, is kind of something of a cult leader at the same time. Um, now, when he's doing this, what's his name? Uh, uh, Greasy Silo, this theater, uh, critic which is based on a real new york theater critic from the time yeah and by the way if you're a critic if you're a professional critic you can go fuck yourself like we're having fun here we're having fun here and i speak for myself this is the command of speaking you can s all the d's in the world because you can't do something but you judge other people professionally on what they do professionally get the fuck all the way out of here so I enjoy them shitting on this guy, but he basically is, you know, running his fucking mouth during the production, shitting all over it. And Sardu, scumbag that he is, is trying to be, you know, he's trying to be affable. He's trying to be kind to this man and professional. And that motherfucker uses his cane that he doesn't need, by the way. I don't like a motherfucker. that I don't trust the motherfucker that carries a cane and doesn't need it. I don't trust him. Yeah. Wax the fucking the donations for the actors out of this guy's hand and fucks off mm. down the road, tells him, fuck mm. your show, it's trash. And so Sardu goes, 
man, fuck this guy. All right, you know what? Kidnap this motherfucker. So they do. They kidnap the fucking, uh, they kidnap the fucking theater critic. Theater critic gets fucking put in, and one of my favorite lines in the whole, the whole fucking movie. They tie him up with a chain around his neck for a while like a dog. They slap him around. They do whatever. But um, there is a, and Necro sampled this on uh, the prefix for death record. There's a bunch Necro and De La Soul and fucking Prince uh, Prince Paul Rule. Those motherfuckers all sampled this shit. Um, and he uh, there's a lot. There's a part where he goes. He finally feeds the guy, and he goes, "Oh." He's like, are you enjoying that? You enjoying your, your food there? You're eating one of my trainees that didn't quite work out. How's that, how's that filet? Is it tender? And he goes, oh, you mean I haven't spoiled your appetite? And this motherfucker, Creasy, I give it to him. This is one of the best things. He looks up at him. He goes, nothing you could do or say could revolt me. And he goes, my next show will. And then he walks the fuck away. That shit gangster. So I'm actually, I mean, he's a piece of shit, but I'm kind of a fan of Sardis. I enjoy right. I, I enjoy it when he's on screen, man. What's that? Uh... For sure, man. Like, Sardu comes across in this film like he's this LeVay, but like Grand Gunal fucking mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. character, um, the obvious reference to the fucking fantasy island, you know, <laughs> is obvious between the main <laughs> character and the the yes. little person yes. character as well, though Rufus is definitely a little bit gnarlier. Um, so, Rufus? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah man. Um, you mean it, Ralphus? Ralphus, sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. dude. Um, so, um, anyway, basically they're doing snuff, snuff films in the form of theater, right? And they're selling it to motherfuckers. So, um, then you get um, what what he decides he's going to do because what he really cares what Sardu really cares about is being a legitimized artist with what he's doing. So he intends to kidnap famous ballerina Natasha Dinatella. And she's dating like the fucking quarterback of the New York Jets. And they can't come out and say that shit. His name's Tom Maverick, for Christ's sake. It's a cartoon <laughs> fucking name. That's a name from someone from like Top Gun or, or, or Iron Eagle or one of those 80s war porn movies. Right? right. Tom fucking Maverick. Get the fuck out. That's a name Leonard Lake would have made up as an alias. So anyway, so... Uh, She's got this fuck. They're both high profile people, but he's like, I don't give a fuck. Kidnaps this fucking broad. And when this happens, Tom Maverick goes to the fucking the police and he gets hooked up with the most David Berkowitz lookalike looking corrupt Italian cop I've ever seen in my life. The motherfucker's name is Tucci, Detective Tucci. That you can't tell me that motherfucker doesn't look exactly like David fucking Berkowitz with a coke problem he does and one yeah, of the kidnappers looks just like fucking telly savalas man did oh. you notice that shit yes i was gonna bring that up as well a hundred fucking percent man it's it's what it's like fucking swap meat fucking swap meat stars in this motherfucker you know what i mean so You're right um so tucci starts going through the fucking deal he's he is trying to solve the case and get natasha to come back home and shit but 
he's also playing both sides. He's corrupt as a motherfucker. Um, so he, this dude, I'm going to say, his, his, his real name is, uh, I don't remember, David? Something Fauci. His last name is Fauci. That dude did an okay job being a piece of shit cop. Um, I'm not like, there's no Oscars being handed to anyone in this movie, but, <laughs> but son did okay. Anyway, so they, it's okay. So Tucci is fucking playing both sides. He's getting paid by fucking Sardu to fucking walk away and turn a blind eye, but he's also going to still turn his fucking ass in and get this reward from Tom Maverick and all this bullshit. Tom Maverick shows up to see the fucking show and everything, but Sardu and I'm skipping over all the violence. We can talk about that in a second. This, this, this movie is nothing but violence and nudity. The entire fucking movie. Yeah, um, seriously. Like, even putting the plot line together, I, I, I admire you right now, Commander, because <laughs> there's uh, just so <laughs> much violence in this film. Like, even putting any part of the plot line together is, is amazing that you're doing this right now. It is a feat. It's, it, there's not much of a plot. Um, the concept, the concept of this movie is fucking brilliant. And I think if the James Wan took it on with with a $10 million budget, this shit would be next level fucking brutal. Eli yes. Roth. Eli Roth oh, with $6 Jesus million dollars would absolutely decimate the world with this fucking movie. So. Oh. Man, yeah, imagine Diodowski uh, with this. You, oh, fucking forget about Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Even, dude, even Argento. And oh. the same year, Argento in 76 with this fucking movie would have would would have exploded everyone's fucking heads. Uh, um, so yeah, <laughs> excuse me. So um what well, ends up going on now uh, along uh, like I said, there's white slavery. This motherfucker's like doing Pavlov's Pavlov's dog shit with people. Um He's got these broads that are constantly naked down in a cage that he's selling to people. Um, and he's got, um, he feeds them raw meat, probably human meat, quite honestly. He feeds them other bitches that have been down there for a while. Yeah. And he, um, so they're just ravenous. They're, they've lost their minds at this point. And anything right. that walks into that cage, anything that goes into that cage is getting fucking eaten by these broads. But that's where Sardu, the blood sucking freaks. Right. That's where Sardu keeps his fucking money too, which is pretty goddamn brilliant. Um, yeah. And so, so your man fucking Sardu is trying to become this fucking proper artist. He's moving through the fucking gimmick, and he uh, brainwashes Natasha Dinatelli, who admittedly was a tough nut to crack. One of the things he did just to fucking I gotta say this one because it's one of the illest things in the whole movie. Just to show her he's not playing, he kidnaps another ballerina and cuts her fucking feet off with a chainsaw. Like, just so you know, that's what I'm going to do to you. But, like, he could have said that. But instead of saying it, he's like, no, 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 go get me another one that actually values her feet and makes her living with her feet so that I can make the point. He could have just gotten mm -hmm. any woman. But, no, he gets a ballerina and cuts it's her feet off. <laughs> it's theater. You show. You don't tell in theater. And he shows all of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, 
not only does Natasha Dinatelli start playing ball, but she ends up going full-blown cult-level devoted to this motherfucker to the point where she does the stage show and the stage show's fucking great because the stage show is her doing her ballerina gimmick, which, by the way, I don't know if that's actually her doing it, but I'm impressed. I don't know how, maybe it was camera tricks, but the fucking, the feet and the toes and the shit, I'm like, that's fucking not, there's probably camera tricks. They were pro- I just realized it's only showing her feet. So they probably yeah. held her up yeah. and suspended her. Never mind. I take all of everything I just said back. So, <laughs> so meanwhile, she's doing this, dancing around on her toes, you know, ballerina shit. And she's stripping down and becoming nude. And in between that, she's beating the fuck out of Creasy Silo, who's on stage and spitting teeth out. And it's that part I enjoy quite a bit. So then Tom Maverick goes and gets her and tries to fucking balance. And she's like, no, I got to stay with my master. I got to stay with Stardew. I got to stay with this motherfucker. I can't go. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, Tucci ends up getting fucking tries to get, gets greedy as fucking shit cops always do. He's trying to take money from everybody and pick it off all the trees. Tucci ends up going down and finding the cage with the girls and sees the little trap door and wants to take the fucking case full of money. And he's positive it's down there. Cause he's already got fucking, um, he's already got Sardu in handcuffs, right? So he goes down and investigates further, thinks he's just going to walk in this cage filled with ravenous naked broads with seventies bush and excuse me, bush. excuse me, Ryan. I'm pretty sure they're called blood sucking freaks. <laughs> okay. So he's going to go in there and take all the fucking money. And as soon as he walks in the cage, uh, he's completely eaten. And, and his scream is one of my favorites in the whole movie, by the way. Um, then you have um, the Tom Maverick fucks off. I think he winds up taking uh, Dina Telly, if I'm not mistaken. I honestly can't remember all of a sudden. But uh, uh, Sardu ends up getting fucking eaten by those broads as well. Um, it's something of a happy ending, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's wrapped up pretty neatly with a little bow. Um, but all that being said, I skipped, I mean, I just broke that down in what, 10 minutes. Yeah. This is an hour and a half long movie that is nothing but nudity and, and fucking sadism and masochism. Oh, I mean, hundred percent, just pure violence. Honestly, there's some pretty creative stuff in here. And, and if I may speak to this movie, I enjoy bad movies like this, not even because it's a, this is extremely influential, but never mind that. I enjoy the campiness and the silliness of how bad the practical effects are because they were working with what they had to work. You know, it's one, it's, that's one of those things that makes army, uh, army of darkness and evil dead. And that whole series really great is the campy, goofy practical effects that sam raimi uses i love that shit this yeah. is sam raimi on a fucking if sam raimi went to the swap meet and had to trade that in for a dime store budget that's what they're doing here and of all the movies that i've done here this is the one i searched and searched for more more, more than any other fact about this film i tried to find the budget could not find it 
I know, I guarantee you it's in Lloyd Kaufman's book. Uh, what is it? Make your own damn movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I could not find the budget of the movie. I, I'm pretty sure catering was probably cocaine and cigarettes. Yeah, right? I would say that about 50% <laughs> of that budget, whatever it was, was cocaine. And cigarettes, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. This, is, this is how John Waters movies get made. It's the same budget. Oh, this is a punch you in the face fucking film. It really is. Like, this is fucking gorilla, just insane film being done. You know, like, yeah, Evil Dead's campy. And that's, like, almost cute. And the Toxic Avenger, I mean, you can almost call it cute. But this is trauma at its finest. This is fucking, the gloves are off. Here's some money. Make the most brutally violent film that you can. And then throw three people with any artistic direction, even if it fucking goes at opposite ends, just put something down on celluloid and, you know, try not to get arrested before we release the fucking thing. And they, you know? they, I mean, they, they shot this movie almost exclusively between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. Um, and that had to do with, that had to do with zoning and getting around fucking, you know, filming permits and shit like that. And, and, the places they were shooting, it's like, we can shoot here right now because no one's fucking here. And we gave them 20 bucks okay. to shoot for six hours. Um, uh-huh. This is also important to know. I, uh, Baron, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've at least heard of these films. I know the Reverend. This is some of his favorite shit ever. This was highly influenced by the Ilsa series. Are you hip to the Ilsa series? No. no we, might have to bring, we might have to watch some of those on this show at some point. Um, there was three movies. There was Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, Ilsa, uh, and the Oil Sheik. And what was the what was the third one, Reverend? Ilsa? Uh, Prison Warden, which is Prison the jungle, Warden. The jungle right. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, This is obviously also very influenced by Herschel Gore and Lewis. 1970, The Wizard of Gore, which is his, like, Grand Guignol fucking opus that he did. That's my favorite director, honestly. Um, If you could ever call Herschel Gordon Lewis fucking classy, it's by watching his film and then watching (laughs) fucking Bloodsucking Freaks. Because it is literally, like, the Ramones compared to fucking anal cunt or like spaz it's like the Ramones versus fucking spaz he they just bring it to another intense fucking level there's sure. no way that like Herschel could have touched it Herschel's great the Ramones are great it's just blood-sucking freaks is out there yeah it's nuts and this caught a shit ton of protest one of my favorite one of my favorite things ever this is great because of right now um, this wouldn't have been funny a year and a half ago, but it's really funny to me right now. There is a group that really took this on more than any other feminist organization. And I support feminists and I love feminists and I love women. Go, you fucking go do what you got to do. This organization I'm not with, <laughs> but it's the women against pornography is the name of their group. Which is the same acronym, WAP. That's fucking funny to me. Um, I love that shit. 
I would love uh, to think that Megan the Stallion and Cardi B did that on purpose. That would be fucking great, but they didn't. Um, they are vacuous. They're vacuous goofballs. But I'm not mad at anything they're doing or them at all. I'm not interested, but I ain't mad. Um, another person who who has this guy's a jerk off, but he's a genius in his own way. Uh, Oliver Stone absolutely loves Joel M. Reed and everything he's ever done. Does he really? He does. Um, that's interesting. Tar- Tarantino is another guy who will put this guy over, but that's probably that's not surprising. a surprise. That's not um, a surprise. Here's one I didn't know. This is for the wrestling marks. Chris Jericho named his bodyguard in his gimmick after Ralphus, the midget. Huh. Oh, shit. Um, I think? Did, I, as I said, De La Soul mentions this in a skit. That, on, uh, that buzzes me out, De La Soul. Yeah, reference this. I, I, Necro, right. I understand a million percent. De La Soul buzzes me out. I know they're goons. I know they're not flower power, et cetera. That was just a marketing gimmick they were pulled into. Well, but referencing this, yeah. they're Well, I mean, they're about that hippie shit a little bit, you know, That, but they're goons. They're certified yeah. goons. They're, fuck. Have you ever yeah. seen a video of some fucking melting like fucking four or five people like no. those guys can throw hands <laughs> yeah. they're, they're they're fucking hood dudes from new york you mm-hmm. could be a nice guy and be from the hood <laughs> so, absolutely absolutely um, <laughs> but um but like necro necro like he listened to his music and you can understand but even like de la soul's hardest stuff it doesn't allude to this kind of imagery even so, you know what i mean so do you remember, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is on Three Foot High and Rising. Do you remember this record fairly well? Uh, it's been a while. It's been quite a few years since I've listened to that one. Fair enough. Me too. But I actually, as soon as I started watching this movie, I remembered it. Um, and I'm, I, once again, I could be wrong. It might be the, the other record. Um, no, but I'm pretty sure it's Three Foot High and Rising. There's a skit where there's like an audience and they're talking to the audience, and he goes, what's your favorite movie? And someone in the audience yells out, blood-sucking freaks. Oh. If you go back okay. and listen to the skits on Three Foot High and Rising, you'll be like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh-huh. I will. Fucking I will. Am, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, one more, one more little thing I want to get done before we get into gimmicks and we start talking about this is that there is a curse, quote-unquote, surrounding this movie. Oh, um, shit, Really? And it was really cool because I don't know if anyone else is is the biggest mark ever for Joe Bob Briggs and the drive-in show that he does, but he started doing it again. He brought it back, and it fucking rules, dude. After, like, 20-some years of not doing it, he brought it fucking back, and it's great. And the first fucking movie he showed was this movie. And he talks about it in between, and one of the things he talks about is the curse surrounding it. Now... Some things are a little far-fetched, but the truth is, after this movie was made, four fucking people died. Huh. Two of them really soon after. So Seamus O'Brien was murdered the same year this movie was finished when he walked into his apartment and found a robbery in his New York apartment taking place, and they just fucking stabbed him to death and left. Oh, um, shit. And Seamus O'Brien, as uh, to recap, that's the guy that played Sardu, basically yeah. the main character. Sure. Um, Vijou Krem, uh, who played Natasha Dinatelli, was shot by her husband on a hunting trip in, well, that was about seven years after. 
They went on a hunting trip in like upstate fucking New England, that type of area. And mm-hmm. she walked in front of him while he was taking a shot and fucking popped her head off. So that's the story. Who knows? He might have done it on purpose. Who fuck knows? Um, Luis de Jesus, that motherfucker, the midget, he died of heart failure in 1988. But that one I'm not really having because A, he's a little person. B, yeah. He did a shit ton of cocaine. He was a rampant alcoholic. And he was in his mid to late 40s when he died. And it was 12 years after this movie came out. So I don't know if that goes in with it, but he did die at a very young age. Um, that's a bit of a stretch, though, man. It's a bit of a stretch because that's actually very... And this is not to sh- I'm not shitting on little people. I'm just saying that that is a very common thing that happens, especially mm, with little people that are alcoholics and throw mm. cocaine on top of it. Like, yo, it's all a deal. So um, Alfonso de Noble also died shortly thereafter. He's the guy that plays the, like, Arab white slavery trader. He killed himself. He killed himself the same year this movie came out. So, like, that's kind of heavy. You know, there's a couple of them. At least two of them are heavy uh, as fuck and really close to the movie's release. All All four of them, it was the last movie they ever made. So, hence okay. the whole curse, quote unquote. I, it bears mentioning, but okay, here we go. Um, we're not, I'm, Reverend. I gotta skip you. you I, I don't. We already. Everyone knows how you and I feel about this. Baron, please. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, now we've talked about the. Port, recognizing the importance of things on this pod, even if we don't like them, the Beatles have been the primary example, of course. Um, none of us I mean, we can even Star Wars too. Star Wars, Star is terrible, Wars as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, okay, there, there's a better example. Scarface. Yeah, Scarface <laughs> is another one. I, as I've said, I like Star Wars, uh, but I understand that it's not your guys' thing. Um, I don't like this type of film. I don't like this film, but I understand its importance and I understand that it's other people's uh, thing as well. I do like the concept, Theatre of the Macabre, of course I like the concept. Uh, But in terms of execution, even though it is on a minimal budget, Evil Dead had a minimal budget and it is campy, yes, but there is filmmaking skill, there is inventiveness that is applied to Evil Dead that makes it as memorable and as popular and as influential as it is. Uh, Yes, this film does show a lot, but it doesn't do a lot in terms of inventiveness. It is one setup after another setup of just basically a static shot on a stage. Here's some torture. Here's some boobies. Uh, And then here's um, some... Ambush. 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 A lot of wolf pussy in this movie. And here's some edgy humor basically like the human dartboard, for example. You know what I mean? So, so okay, I got. I want to ask you this. What's better? What's, what's better? The human dartboard, the dinner and candle dripping on the back, mm-hmm. uh, or the backgammon finger-cutting game? Which of those three is better? Uh, well, I'm talking about inventiveness here, so I'd have to give it to the backgammon game. Yeah, with the human fingers as the chips. Yes. I agree. Reverend, do you yeah. concur? Yeah, it's definitely the backgammon game, for sure. Agreed. 
you know. Um, was it, that was darts, almost my bit of violence for this. May, maybe if the darts would have been in a different position and, you know, I mean, I could have seen something a little bit more creative, but it's not quite rated X, and I have seen some fucked up shit. So, well, wait, continue. Wait, let, me that. let me address that, the whole rated X thing. So, they were told to cut this down because obviously they're like, this isn't rated R, dude. This is rated X. And in 1976, okay. there was no NC-17. There was okay. X and R. And they're like, fuck, okay, fine. And they just went, we have to make which cuts? And they went, you need to cut these things, and then you're good. And they went, okay. And then like a week later, they went, hey, we cut all that stuff. And they went, oh, okay. And they stamped it with approval without looking at it. And they sent the full uncut movie out to movie theaters. And wow. what's wild, you think like, I, I, I don't know why, maybe I just don't understand this industry as well as I thought I did, at least not at the time. But they didn't get dinged by like the MPAA or, you know, whatever. They got dinged by the people that own the copyright to the R rating. And they're like, you used our rating uh, incorrectly, so they sued him. And I couldn't get clarification on what happened with that lawsuit. I'm sure they probably ended up getting, they're like, like, we made literally no money. We have no money. I don't know what to tell you. We're just a bunch of jerk-offs in New Jersey with no money. And they went, fuck, fine, give us like 50 bucks for the court fees and we're done. At least that's what I imagine happened. But they straight up fucking hoodwinked everybody and sent yeah. a movie out as an R-rated movie. <laughs> Definitely. Which is gangster as fuck. And you have to yeah, that too. That's gangster, man. I do. I do. Um, but mostly overall, like, as I say, this, this isn't for me. It's just not my type of film. It's not one I derive pleasure from. But I appreciate its importance as I appreciate Ozploitation, as we've covered John Waters' films. Even, um, you know, like the misogynist perv that uh, Corman is, yes, without those people making the type of films they did in the gangster underground way that they did. There's a lot of films around that I enjoy today that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for these people. Um, Film making, um, I do a podcast called The Cinema Salon, which looks at sin in cinema. Sin isn't a high ground moralistic art form. This kind of stuff does come into play as it does in theater as well. Um, So it's, um, it's gonna happen. You can't just ban something because you disapprove of it or you can't just straight out dislike something because it's not for you without recognizing its influence and its importance which i do that's my two bits yeah i'm not upset with anything you said i have a couple of 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 questions about what you said though Mm -hmm. so um uh (coughs) excuse me um so where is it that you draw the line with this movie now I know you like to watch. <laughs> I know you like to watch fuck up movies. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah. But but is it what what is it that would make this movie palatable to you on some level? I know it's not the violence that's bothering you. It, it's it, it must be. Is it the acting? Is it the production? Is it all of the above? If one of those was fixed, would it be more palatable to you? You see what I'm saying? I'm just trying to find out where the line is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's the, uh, it is the production. Yeah, it's the, if it was, um, 
have a little you, more so attention. Do you, do you lose yeah. immersion? Do you lose the immersive yeah. quality yeah. of the movie because, yeah. like, Ralphus is such a jerk-off? Like, he's such a bad actor. You're like, dude, like, it's like watching preschoolers act, right? It, it is, basically. It's a quality control thing for me. The sensor in the back of my mind would it, in terms of uh, quality control, in terms of production behind the camera, in front of the camera. Um, uh, I'm not sure if artifice is the correct word. It's more artistry, uh, because this movie has plenty of artifice. You know that it's not real. You know what I mean? Because right. it is so campy and ridiculous. So you you can't really argue degradation in that sense, as you pointed out off uh, mic there, that um, it is so over the top that you you can't judge it because it's obviously not real. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, very film, yeah, yeah, yeah. In and outside of the film. But it is definitely um, because it is just so on the nose in terms of the campiness. Um that it's basically too much for me and my personal taste at the end of the day. I get that. The other thing I wanted to address this is actually more of a statement. I thought you might enjoy it. Lloyd Kaufman, who I'm, I know you're familiar with. I mean, Lloyd mm -hmm. Kaufman is the CEO of, of, of Troma Films. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 excuse me. Lloyd Kaufman is a fucking god. So I uh, just got to say <laughs> that. Lloyd Kaufman has said, um, specific, like, this is a quote. He said, this movie's very misogynistic, and quite honestly, we wouldn't have anything to do with it today. If someone brought brought it to him, when he did this interview, it was probably 15 or 20 years ago. And he said, if someone brought this to me right now, I, I wouldn't do it. So, oh, of course. Sure. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's not misogynistic in the way that it's purporting it and, and saying this is a good thing, but it's not a good, you know... It, it, he just realizes that there is a certain amount of culpability and responsibility in filmmaking. Um, and you yeah, should be able yeah. to make whatever the fuck you want. But here's the thing. Like, I've still not seen a Serbian film, and I'm never going to watch it. I mm -hmm. don't enjoy realistic renderings of children being hurt. I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know that a lot of people feel that way about even campy cartoon violence against women, but when it's this fucking Hanna-Barbera level goofy, I'm yeah. just like, this is so entertaining to me. It's so funny, and it was meant to be offensive. It was meant to turn heads, and that's what it fucking mm -hmm. did. At the end yeah. of the day, this this movie did its goddamn job. So yes, absolutely, and um, that's where you that's how you've got to judge this film as well. It's older than all of us, I believe. 1976. This film it was in the 70s. It yeah. was. A time where seventies. It was the seventies. There was a time when offensiveness was necessary, just like with exploitation as well. <laughs> but you bring up an interesting point with a Serbian film because I have watched that, and even though it is horrific, I appreciate its artistry because it is produced very, very well in terms of immersion and impact. That film is very powerful. Do I excuse everything that went on in it? Not entirely, but um, it's all consent-based. We all had an intent and purpose and indictment against Serbian culture. Would I look at someone a bit kind of, uh, if they sat there, I'll go, oh, yeah, Serbian film's the best, mate. That's the, oh, this is a great film. If they just got their jollies out of it, 
So you know what I mean? It's it's new ones. It's, 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 it's all a big gray area. It's all a big gray I, area. I'd be, I'd be legitimately worried about that person. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing but up, it, growing up the Reverend and I grew up together, and we grew up in a town that had a murder um, in our backyard. Well, numerous murders, plenty of them, but one specifically that was done for Slayer. So we are well aware of the maniacal level that some people get from these different influences. What, what, it, these people are of worshiping of, a film or worshiping a music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're exactly. fucked up yeah. in the first place. And this is a yeah. catalyst. This is well, and, and, and not a catalyst. Like it's the music's fault, the movie's fault. What I mean is this is their catalyst. This was their thing that they found to allow themselves to go over the edge. Um, this is all that I'm not blaming. I won't blame Ozzy. I won't blame Slayer. Fucking hate Carrie King, but I'm not going to blame Slayer. And I'm not going to blame this fucking movie if someone gets gets whacked out or someone goes into white slavery because of it. It's not the movie's fault. Some fucking sick maniac used this as a catalyst, catalyst and a justification. That doesn't make it an evil uh, entity, the movie itself. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But yeah. so we can we can we can separate art from artistry. But like a, a great great example, uh, like you said, you can appreciate the artistry of of that movie. Have you watched Serbian film more than once? No, and I wouldn't. Okay, perfect example. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Gone Girl? Yeah. Great, like David Fincher. Phenomenal. I was blown away by mm. how great that movie is. It's one of those movies that I want to watch again because of how masterfully done it was, and I never mm. fucking will because it's goddamn traumatic. It has to do with okay. this kid getting kidnapped and hurt and all yeah, this okay. I, okay. I can't fucking do it. I can't fucking do it. So mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. I just, I think my line's a little different. I already know about a Serbian film and I'm not going to cross that line. It's not something I'm interested in watching. It's yeah, fucked yeah. up for the sake of fucked up. So is this, but it's also a goddamn Flintstones cartoon. So yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. really where I feel that this film has its justification. Of course, I don't fucking endorse the, you know, blatant sexism or blatant racism or any of the fucked up things that are going or the blatant cocaine use that or cannibalism or they do a lot of fucked up shit in this film. Yeah. Not endorsing it in any way. But at this time, they made this fucked up thing and they said, we don't care about any of the rules this doesn't have that's the type of art that i really love this doesn't have to be an artistic endeavor we're making a thing to make money and it is going to be so off the fucking wall that no one's even going to ever really see it because i mean what this hit the fucking grind houses in new york it might have played two or three places in la at the time the era was released and then it finally got re-released by trauma you know, it definitely and, played in San Francisco. It definitely played in like the weird artsy cities. It played in those. Yeah, but very, very select. You know, like oh, they weren't no seeing doubt. this shit in the Midwest at all. And they weren't really even seeing this internationally probably at all either until Trauma picked it up. But what I'm saying is that this is one of those fucking offensive slaps in the face that art can do. And when you decide that art doesn't have to be artistic anymore, 
Yeah, that's yeah, when it you. becomes this fucking weird performance art type of above and beyond shit. Okay. You know, Which, um, this is the same beauty that's in punk rock. It's the yeah, same, yeah. Okay. same thing. And I think okay. that fucking Andy Warhol is a cocksucker and I don't like his art. I think it's dumb as fuck. But the reason that he painted Campbell's soup cans is because <laughs> it was a dumbass graphic design. And since he was an artiste and he screen printed it in four different ways, which is a very basic form of art, not talking shit about screen printers, that shit can be awesome as fuck. But what he was doing was saying, fuck this art. And that was what was going on during that time period. So fuck this art was like, oh yeah, that's cool to do with fucking Warhol and stuff like that. That's, you know, and even John Waters, who I love, that's probably a better example that like you could do that and it's artistic and you're saying fuck art and that's cool and stuff. But bloodstocking freaks took it beyond that to the next level of where we're sleeping in the gutter and doing fucking cocaine off of like, like they did fucking cocaine in little circles. They called it a donut, right? And they would place it on a sex worker's butthole and actually sniff it up in a little circle, man. They do these donuts, dude. Uh, I mean, wow. you could, I mean, I'll be honest. I think that's a great point. And using somebody, I mean, you you went from using Warhol to using somebody that we appreciate on some level. I think, let's go back to the Beatles. I'll give you one more example of this exact same shit, and I agree with you, Terry. I agree with you, Reverend. The, so this fucking jerk, of all the Beatles, the worst human being out of all of them is John Lennon. He's a horrifically terrible human being no one will ever f- don't fucking hit me up online about this mm-hmm. i'll decimate you i will ruin your entire fucking day if you try and mm-hmm. fucking test me on this but john lennon did some ill shit and one of the things that i liked was all the hippies and all the critics because of all the hippies and the acid all the critics were trying to decipher every syllable of his lyrics so he started writing just the most bat shit off the wall that's why the whole custard from a dead dog's eye line comes out i am the walrus it's yeah, no sense on purpose to fuck with everybody which truth be told that's right. some andy kaufman level shit okay. and yeah i think that's brilliant i still think that guy's a fucking jerk off but yeah. that moves brilliant with that point he's still minus a hundred thousand but just saying like I can appreciate brilliance when I see it. Like you said with Warhol, that guy's a fucking jerk job. But I appreciate brilliance when I fucking see it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want to hang out with anyone that made this film. I don't want to be on this set. And there was probably a lot of boobs and, like, sex and cocaine and drugs and stuff like that. But I don't want to hang out with any of those people. Those people all fucking suck. I guarantee you, the people that made these people, this fucking film, were probably kind of assholes. And that's fine. I get to watch it fucking literally it's like close to 50 years later now that like we get Fuck, to enjoy it saying it is, it is. yeah like, yeah man. <laughs> up shit that happened than me. <laughs> during cinematic history and it's this fucked up thing that happened in cinematic history that people aren't going to look at because it's going to be like oh it's not artistic enough or it's just fucking trash and shit but that's usually the type of fucking pop culture that ends up surviving we don't know, like, everyone knows, you know, fucking Michelangelo by, you know, 
and all these great Roman arts and stuff, but I don't give a flying fuck about that. Have you seen the fucking porno, the like porta potty porno that they used to inscribe on the side of the fucking shitter in the fucking downtown of like ancient Rome? Like that shit's fucking entertaining as fuck. And that's working class humor and it's fucking insane. And it got, it happened. And that's the thing that makes this fucking not brilliant. It makes it fucking important though. Exactly. Yeah. The, con yeah. the concept is really good. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. The execution is absolutely awful. And I, I do make excuses for the execution. I, I do think that fucking the budget is the main part of it, but cocaine probably had a fair amount to do with it. People were probably on LSD too. Like it was a whole deal, but mm -hmm. this movie it's, it's important on a level that, I think even a lot of, I would say if we're talking about casual horror fans and genre film fans, I think the vast majority of them underestimate the importance and the influence, the sweeping influence that this, this movie has. Is it a good movie? May I reiterate? No, the fuck it's not. This is a bad movie. I'm not even going to argue that this is a mediocre movie and it's getting a bad rap. No, this is a fucking bad movie. It's badly done. It's badly put together. Everything's bad about it. everything. And it's wonderful. It's fucking wonderful. Do we have anything more to say? Should we move on to gimmicks? Let's do the gimmicks. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, if I may, if I may. Um, just to touch Fair. on just to touch on everything that's been said. I think you've both um, delivered beautiful promos in defense of this movie. You've um, you've influenced me and convinced me of its importance. Absolutely. Um, and it does make me, but it does make me think about the brilliance of Mr. John Waters, who's someone we all appreciate and we all enjoy his films. I'm a fan of his films, absolutely. And I'm talking about the 70s stuff, definitely. 80s stuff, fine, but it's the 70s stuff that will be remembered, as it has been pointed out in various ways here. Um, and uh, yeah, he is someone who I think encapsulates everything that we've been talking, you guys were talking about there. Um, the, um, in ancient Rome, writing, you know, the graffiti on the porta potties, on the public toilets as well, that um, working class art, humor, attitude, punk rock filmmaking, if you will, of this ilk, of this kind. I think he is a shining example. Um, and, and I really appreciate him. This film doesn't reach up to his level when it comes to, uh, we're talking about execution. He executes everything that I think was um, Bloodsucking Freaks was trying to do in a very skillful, smart way. You know, it's not calling this Bloodsucking Freaks stupid, but I think John Waters, say Pink Flamingo, is the apex, yeah, of this type of attitude or this approach to filmmaking, if I will. Um, so you've convinced me through the convinced me through the lens of John Waters about the importance of this film, based on everything that you guys said. If that makes sense, if I'm making sense. Yes, and I think that was the right lens to choose because John Waters is the one that coined the term trash cinema. Sure, that's cool. what this is. That's what yeah. John Waters is the master of it. The master of at least understanding it and how to classify it, how to use it, and how to uh, uh, A, work on a budget, B, magnify its importance. And, yeah. Yeah, and do it skillfully and smartly at the same time as well, as a filmmaker as well, yeah? Correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Pink Flamingo should be brought to the Man Bites pod table in the future. I'm just throwing it out there now. 
Oh, 100%. I will, I'm going to veto one right now before anyone thinks of it. Even if anyone is thinking of it, we're not doing Crybaby on this show. No, no, no that's what I've, I've not talked about. I was, was going to go with yeah. the way worst fucking John Waters film and say that we do Desperate Living, but I don't know. That's See? pretty hard to do. I like that See? film, man. <laughs> I like that film. Oh, man, that was rough, but I'm down. That was I'm rough, down. man. I mean, we could do I, – I don't give a shit. We could do Pecker. That was a good movie, man. Like, Pecker's really good. Uh, what was the other one? Cecil B. Demented. Cecil yes. B. Demented fucking rules, dude. Yeah, it's Cecil B. Demented is what I'm talking about. This fucking pure gorilla cinema. You know? Right. Yes. John Waters yes. gets it, for sure. Oh, John yeah. Waters yeah. some yes. gimmicks. Yeah. I um, love Cecil B. Demented. Anyway, sorry, go. <laughs> I, I want to dedicate this set of gimmicks to, uh, as of this recording, this will not come, this... It, as everyone who I'm talking to is listening right now, but not everyone that's listening to me talk to the people I'm talking to right now, they will not get it. But as of this recording, it is Cassandra Peterson's birthday. So I want to wish her oh. a very happy birthday. Um, I'm still madly in love with that redheaded fucking psychopath. I love her so much. Happy so, birthday, mistress. We love you. Thank um, you. Yeah. All we can yeah, say is yeah. thank you. We so, love you. Which, them. by the way, I'm that's I'm gonna put this down right now. I'm not doing it right yet, but no one better fucking take Mistress of the Dark. I'm gonna pick that movie at some point. That's mine. I'm calling dibs. Okay. Uh, so let's get into gimmicks. Okay. Um, um, sorry, sorry to be a pain. If we're gonna do uh, Sandra Peterson's birthday the cycle of life here as well before it gets too <laughs> sure. old and dated as well uh norm peterson mm. no sorry norm mcdonald what am i talking about yeah that you know norm norm McDonald's a pretty big comedic uh influence to me I, I really dig the way that he had some weird pauses and then just made his punchline when he decided to i love his the- style it's beautiful he's yeah. He's in the top three deadpan comedians of all yes. time. Of all time. Yes. He's the greatest weekend update host of Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. ever. There's mm-hmm. not even a close second. Everyone can miss me with that Chevy Chase and Jane Curtin bullshit. Fuck you. No, no. Norm McDonald's the illest. Norm's ever. the best. Norm McDonald was the best, absolutely. Rest in peace, I wanted to say, before it gets too late um, in the day and becomes dated. Like, yeah, it was a shock that. to me. I loved him. I wasn't sure if this was an appropriate venue for that. Um, he died. I found out he died the day after we recorded the latest Nolu episode. Otherwise, we would have mentioned it, no doubt. Um, I met Norm McDonald. Um, I met Norm McDonald. My wife worked the show that he did, and I talked to him backstage. Nicest guy ever. And what I found out was, I mean, we all know he died of cancer. He had yeah. cancer for 10 fucking years and wow. nobody not a soul knew about it nobody knew which means when i talked to him he had cancer for bare minimum six years and he's still still the nicest guy ever like like yeah i got shit to do and that motherfucker said some brilliant shit when he was talking about cancer and i don't know if he said this after he got it or before mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. said he said Everyone talks about uh, dying of cancer like, oh, they, he lost his battle to cancer. He's like, 
well, if you die, the cancer dies. So that's really a draw. Ain't nobody lose. And I'm like, that's the most gangster take on dying wow. of cancer I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Norm fucking rules, man. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And I just Thank have you to guys. say, Thank you. I just have to say uh, to close that out, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. Oh, damn. All right. Let's move on to fucking gimmicks. Any fucking children that listen to our podcast that were born in like the new millennium and don't get that reference, you can fucking suck a dick, go back and watch some old Norm McDonald shit. Okay. Um, uh, let's do a bit of violence first, yeah? Um, there's some creative stuff. Um, I'm going to leave you guys to that because this movie, you know me, if a cop, if a shitty cop dies, I'm probably going to pick that. When Tucci gets mauled alive by those broads in the cell, it makes my day. It's one of my favorite screams in the entire, in the entire horror genre. I, that's the best, probably the best bit of acting in this movie uh, is Tucci screaming. And I enjoy watching coked out dime store David Berkowitz, who's a fucking shitty cop get eat by get eaten by these women who he clearly doesn't give a shit about um it's really satisfying and i enjoy every second of it um you know what i want to hear from the baron because the baron doesn't care for this movie okay uh yeah now we've talked about how this film is obviously not real uh it is obviously <laughs> the violence <laughs> is all of front but there is a moment of realism in terms of violence in the sense of one of the actresses' performances, yeah? Um, it's at the start of the film. Uh, it's where the hand gets cut off of one of the actresses. I'm saying actresses because that is uh, throughout the film, there are female actors that are tortured. <laughs> um, take what you will from that. Um, her hand is cut off and the scream and the look of pure panic and that actress's face i don't know who it is shout out if you're still alive if you're possibly listening to this at all you do an incredible job because even in the most serious artistic film with the biggest budget whatever you want to mention a lot of the time it's not and they're going for 100 percent realism it's not convincing uh, the extremity, especially with uh, film, uh, scenes that have extreme violence being committed onto someone, it's just not convincing. I'm very rarely convinced. I was convinced by her. The look in her eyes and the scream was so damn realistic. You know the moment I mean? Oh, I sure I mean? do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's um, very perceptive of you. Well done. Thank you, thank you. Um, I was just really convinced with her performance. It was just like, yeah, her, um, because they're trying to sell the gimmick that this could be real in the theater of Macabre, the Grand Group. No. Are you, talking, she, are you talking about the, the, the trepanning or tree painting or that bit or the one after? Tree painting where they got the yeah. thing wrapped around her head? No, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's after that. It's after it's that. It's the one just, after, yes. It just, I yes. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think it's a Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 that actor, she does an incredible job of that. I was convinced. I was convinced you're actually selling the gimmick that this could be real on stage. Yeah, that's my favorite bit, definitely. Righty-o, man. Uh, right. Reverend, please. 
I'm going to say the blowing bubbles scene, the blowing the bubbles in the brain is oh, definitely yeah. my favorite <laughs> bit of violence because uh, I am a very fucked up individual. And since the days of uh, Rotten.com, I've been watching way too horrible things. And uh, that scene where he blows the bubbles in the brain was actually recreated in Filthy Fuckers number 58 featuring Tammy Faye right after the GTX scene with the Castrol motor oil where they do the douche and the anal squirting that was recreated with a jar of milk inside of a pregnant woman's vagina. And I will never forget that. And now every time I watch the brain bubble scene, I think about that. And now all you guys can do that too. Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen that. I'm not hip, and I am uninterested. So, and um, this is this is why when I'm uh, uploading this to Acast, dear listeners, with the does this uh, episode contain explicit content? Uh, content. I am checking the yes box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to check that most times. Um, I gotta I say, every if, time if you're watching our show and you're watching extreme yeah. cinema. You may I, want to try to check yourself at some points because there's some shit you cannot unsee. Yeah, this is, I think when I fucking put this over on the Instagram to people, this might be the one where I'm like, hey, you may actually not want to watch this movie. Like, this is a kind of a deal. But, all right, so the brain uh, sucking scene. You know what the funny thing is? I don't know if anyone's going to catch this, but... One of my fucking favorite movies ever is um, the fucking uh, Little Shop of Horrors, right? Yeah. This fucking doctor reminds me of fucking Steve Martin in that movie. <laughs> like, Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it fucking kills me, dude. I, it, but it, once again, this whole movie is a cartoon. Like, I can't, I take none of it seriously. And I knew someone had to do the brain sucking thing. By the way, the brains, oatmeal. That was oatmeal. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. That, yeah, I liked how even Sadu and Rufus were looking at the doctor doing the brain sucking. Going, oh, yeah, that's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, I got you guys ready for Jabba Royale? Yes, let's do it. Oh, let me get my pen. Okay. Natasha Dinatelli. Oh. Versus. Oh. And I'm going to go, I'm going to be more specific. Natasha Dinatelli, when she's all strong, matriarchal, uh-huh. tough lady at the beginning, right? Not after the she's, letter. she's got the letter. Yeah. Right. This is tough, fucking broad uh, Natasha Dinatelli versus Sardou's assistant. Do you know who I mean when I say that? Oh, um, Ralph is the, the black girl. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. She, by yeah. the way, hands Ooh. down the hottest person in this entire movie. She is so fucking hot. Oh, yeah. She fine. Oh, She's real Cosign. Cosign. <laughs> so, Sardu's assistant, which is what she's billed as, um, versus Natasha Dinatelli. Gentlemen, uh, I went with the bear. I uh, went with the Baron first. Uh, thanks, let's go thanks. with let's go with the Reverend on this one. What do you got, buddy? Who wins this fucking fight? Sardius assistant. There's there's just no 
there's absolutely no competition on this one, man. She has seen some shit. For her to have been, because she was obviously one of the blood-sucking freaks beforehand, right? Because, like, she had to work her way out of the fucking pit to become the assistant, you know, so she could be top bitch or bottom bitch, however you want to do the vernacular. But she is definitely going to take this fight. There's no way anyone's coming up against her in this shit. Definitely Sardu's assistant. And she's fine. And she's fine. I don't want to see her lose. I just want to see her. I agree with this. I need to rebut before the Baron comes back in. I and I'm not gonna make I'm waiting. I'm actually waiting to be convinced of something, but I am gonna say this. It is entirely possible, and this actually speaks further to your point that she would win. It's entirely possible that she's been a part of this from day one. That yeah. she's just the homegirl, she's Ilsa, right? Yeah. She's the the personification in this film of Ilsa. And I think that that was purposeful, Um, which would lend to the idea that she is actually 100% on board, not brainwashed on any level, just a sick fuck that enjoys the fuck out of what she does. Um, Which is me making your point for you, but with exclamation points. So, just something to consider. Um, Baron. Yeah, it's uh, hard to argue against you uh, both there. I'm just going to throw out there a uh, variant, if you will, that... Uh, Please. Uh, her name, her name, uh, Dina Telly. Uh, she is Estonian. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I was once in a relationship with an Estonian lady. They are hard people. Uh, Rough history, been through a lot, has carried down with them culturally, historically as well. Hmm. Um, And she also, she doesn't kowtow, she doesn't bow down to the theatre of the macabre here straight away. She does have a fighting spirit. so I think it would be a tough fight. I don't. I just want to say that just so, like those people making bets there, that the odds aren't entirely against her. But I do have it to the black woman from the seventies as well as who put out the she will wolf of the SS meets Foxy Brown in this situation. Well done. <laughs> well done. Possible to argue. I give it to. I, I my money's on black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I I mean the funny thing is you got me thinking about this differently. Um I'm gonna make an argument. I've made I've mostly made my decision, but I'm going to um just present an idea that the one thing I will say about Dina Telly, and once again, this even speaks. This actually speaks against her as well, is that she is eventually broken. If you take that into consideration, yeah, and you take into consideration, the like I said, I honestly, if I had to bet money on it, I would bet that Sardu's assistant, the hottest woman in this entire movie, she is on board from day one. She is not brainwashed. She's just in. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. And... I think she's in on it, man. If that's the case, you have a woman that is hard as fucking nails, hard as a coffin nail. 
Meanwhile, you do have, and if we got to take, I, I understand I said this is her before she was broken, but the fact is she was broken by this treatment, which means that, yeah, she's from a hard culture and she's living in New York, but she's still a fucking ballerina and she fucking gets broken by these people and that other mm. woman never gets broken. Yeah. Although, I do. at the end of the day, I... Dina Telly walks away. And homegirl does not. So it's rough. And I do have to push back a little. Ballet's rough, man. They go through a oh, lot, a lot <laughs> to get whether to the skill level where they need to be on stage to her level, to Dina <coughs> Tully's level. Yeah. I should have I should have made that caveat. You're absolutely right. No, no, I'm not disrespecting ballerines. That that A, that art form is fucking brutal. And it's B brutal. Exactly. that culture is. 10 times as brutal as the art form itself. It's yeah. so toxic. It's yeah. so yeah. fucking vile. Black um, Swan looks at the, or look, looks at all of that beautifully. The movie Black Swan, if you've seen that, that's why um, ballet was able to be turned into a horror film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, exactly. Yeah. I'm really just surprised at the Estonian population over there in Australia. There's actually a lot of Estonians here in uh, San Dimas and yeah. uh, Encino. Sure, um, yeah. But let's let's move on. And you want to rate this thing? Yeah, because uh, who, who wins? I who think wins? we decided Sardu's assistant takes this one in a clean. Okay. Oh, she definitely takes. There we it. go. There we go. So, but I would I would put it as a program on a wrestling show though as well. Many there'd be future fights. There'd be a comeback as well. There'd be rematches. Whatever a wrestling program could be born out of these two. Oh, dude! It, I would have a run in with Tom Maverick where he comes in and body slams fucking Sardu's assistant. Like a ladder match with Tom Maverick. This is outside, outside the ring, grinning maniacally high on coke. It's a whole thing. Mankind comes in, jumps off the cage. Yeah, yeah, dude, it'd be great. It'd be fucking great. All right, um, yeah, let's rate this motherfucker. Um, I once again, Baron, I please. Well, I'll start off. I'll start off. Please rate the film. Let's get more positive as we go round as well. Not that I'm going to be entirely negative. No, I tell well. you what, let me explain. Let me explain myself. I want you to go because we've done enough trying to explain this movie to you. You are extremely intelligent as far as film and, and actually more so as far as acting goes than us two fucking chuckleheads. So I think the time for you go last because you need to hear what we have to say is done. Um, okay, sure, sure, I'm sure. interested. I'm really in, genuinely interested to hear just what you have to say unfettered at this point. Um, because okay. I appreciate, I appreciate your knowledge in this, in this area. And I appreciate your hatred of this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's not a hatred. It's not a hatred. Sorry, Reverend. Um, it's not a slumber. Uh, party massacre part two situation um i don't hate <laughs> this movie um i don't enjoy wait, wait 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 so is this movie better than slumber party massacre yes. part two yeah, yeah, Holy yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm going for the bit i'm going for the bit um yeah, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I don't like this movie. I won't watch this movie again. Um, 
as you know, I like high production values in film and I like good acting, et cetera, because I love the art of film. But I am very interested in art and culture as well. And where film plays a part in general popular culture or general art culture. And there is also, as you guys have beautifully pointed out, there is the middle finger approach. There's the anti-art approach. There's the punk rock approach to making film, which is just as important. Which uh, we've covered with Ozploitation as well, yeah? And so you could easily take Ozploitation, go over to America, we're looking at the trauma films, which I think this is a great historical example of that movement and that attitude towards art, film, culture in general. Can't deny um, that you've convinced me uh, to bump up my rating a little more from what it initially was. Full disclosure, it was two. Uh, I'm bringing it up to a four. Yeah. I knew it. I knew I'd get a four. I that was a personal goal. That was a personal goal. After we had a conversation, I knew I'd get you to a four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that's me. Who's next? Fantastic, Reverend. Please. Okay, I'm going a hard eight on this, man. I love Ooh. this movie. Like seriously, it's just got everything I could possibly want in a fucking film. It's like, what more could you want in a fucking film? atmosphere plot line fuck that shit dude like <laughs> who gives a flying fuck about that dude there's violence there's fucking nudity there's like off the wall shit this movie could have only been done at this time like do i want to see fucking toby mcguire be a fucking actor in this film like oh, in the remake no. fuck no i don't I want to see Malthus and Sardu at their fucking glorious, coked out fucking point uh, in 1970. What is it, 78? Six. six. It was the 70s. So, you know, I want to see it at that point, you know, and this this gets a solid eight from me, man. It's it's up there. It's not quite the nine that I give most of my Herschel Gorn Lewis fucking love affairs. But this this gets a solid eight because it's that grimy. This is dirty as fuck, man. Like this is a you feel you feel nasty afterwards. Yeah, but that's the do. thing. It's like <laughs> it, it's still a comedic nasty. I, I've seen oh. movies that make me feel really fucked up. We talked about some of the things that I watched earlier, which made me feel really like bad afterwards and stuff. But this movie, it's fucked up and like it's dirty and shit. But all those people were on cocaine. Do I really give a fuck? It's 50 years later. You know, like I, I'm happy to be able to enjoy this shit. And so I'm just going to enjoy this fucking movie and give this a fucking eight. Um, just quickly there, yeah, before you go there, Commander, because I actually forgot to put my disease slash ailment uh, likening uh, attached to my rating. And as you're talking about there, Reverend, that you feel dirty <laughs> watching this film, and you do. And also, just quickly, this is episode 19. We've covered 20 films. I've never seen you more pleased and enthusiastic to cover and rate a film there, Reverend. <laughs> The whole history of Man Bites Pod. This for me is gangrene. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it just starts off just a little bit and it just grows and grows and grows, and you can't get rid of it. It's staring in front of you, and you're going, God damn, that's disgusting. Yeah. Reverend, what is your disease ailment, please? Would oh, I'm gonna start? say whiskey 
whiskey sweats. You know, and this is just oh. straight up whiskey oh, nice. sweats. I know, oh, I know that I fucking earned it. I know that that's what I wanted to begin with. And like, I fucking achieved that by the end of this movie. I fucking drank straight whiskey for fucking an hour and a half. And now I feel dirty and nasty, but I give it a number eight anyways, because I feel fucking great. That's the number eight whiskey sweats. Oh my God. Yo. Okay. The reverend. That was the best. The reverend, as is his talent, kind of foretold what I was going to say. This is an eight. It's an eight for me, dog. Oh, and is it? It's an eight. And I'm gonna skip through all the things because you kind of just said it already. This movie fucking rules. It's vastly influential. It's horrifically offensive, even right now. People that like yeah. movies, <laughs> i.e. the Baron, and other people that like horror movies fucking are offended by this movie. Deeply offended. Whether it's the level of fucking violence, the misogyny, whatever. You can pick from a number of different trees in this fucking orchard to be offended by. And it's still doing the job, which is fucking... Fuck this! 8-5. What do you think about that? All right. I like Disease. it, man. Disease. Disease. This is cocaine addiction. <laughs> this is cocaine addiction. Because... You feel pretty great, but you also feel pretty horrible. And both of those are constant and all the time. This is amazing. It, just like cocaine addiction. It feels so good. And also, it's the worst feeling you've ever had simultaneously. And it's still doing its job. This is... Also, let's not we need to thank fucking uh, Pablo Escobar for catering this movie. So, like, <laughs> this fucking dude, cocaine, if without cocaine, I'm positive we wouldn't have trauma films. So, thank you, cocaine. That's all I have to say. <clears throat> Moving along, gentlemen, if you have anything else to say, fine. Otherwise, I'm ready to sign off. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the Reverend is done with this movie. Reverend, do you have any parting words? Oh, uh, you know what, man? It, it's about the ride, you know? And, and like, you just gotta <laughs> ride that line all the way to the end. And like I said, we've been fucking burning donuts, donuts of rails of cocaine around a sex worker's asshole. So, yeah, this is a rated 18 podcast. Go fuck yourselves. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.